Today on the show, with reproductive rights up for debate in our state Supreme Court and the abortion trigger ban set to begin later this month, there's a lot on the line right now, especially for activists in our community. Are they okay? Today, we're talking with local activist Lita Harris Newstetter, and what she has to say is going to shift your thinking about how to be an activist, or really anyone devoted to creating change in our community, while not burning out. It's Tuesday, August 9th, 2022. I'm Frankie Barnhill, and this is CityCast Boise. Thank you so much for being here. You do so many things. You're always so busy. So really appreciate you you making time for us here on CityCast Boise today. Absolutely. I'm honored to be here. Thank you. Well, I couldn't even begin to capture everything that you do in the community. I'll throw out a few words that I know about you, but I'd love for you to tell us more. I know that you're an artist, you're a singer, you're a therapist, you're a music teacher, you're an activist. Particularly, I know you're supportive of reproductive rights in Idaho, LGBTQ and BIPOC folks, especially. What am I missing? Probably so many other things. I don't know. I mean, I think, you know, I think that kind of captures the big umbrella items. And to me, they are all fairly interconnected and and the things that I learn from one feed into the other, you know, so sometimes it can sound like it's this kind of basket of very separated things. Right. But for me, it actually just feels like it's all leaves coming off of one vine. Yep. Right. Well, I think, you know, of you as someone who just in the community, a lot of people look to and how does your role as a therapist and an artist go into and give shape to your social justice perspective? I think it just helps me be multifaceted when I'm approaching any of those spaces. You know, for example, right after George Floyd's murder, we were doing some anti-racism workshops. And, you know, I wasn't approaching those spaces just in an activist way. Right. I was approaching those spaces also with my educator hat and my therapist hat, you know, so that I had feelings as a Black person around what was happening and I had anger around what was happening. But my goal in showing up in those spaces was to make sure that I was delivering information in a way that was going to be comprehended and that the people were going to connect in with me enough so that they could stay open to what I was saying and walk out of my presentation with new skills and new tasks that they felt ready to actually put into action, you know, and not just have information that would float in their head, but actually feel like I can change my behavior now. Right. Wow. You know, and so that's, I think that's an example of how I try to, and I think I do bring aspects of all of those parts of me into any space. Even when I'm performing on stage, you know, there's elements of finding little moments to kind of throw out a little tidbit of education. Even if it's just pointing out, you know, that I'm singing a song and that the Black artist who originally sang that song didn't get credited for that song. And so, you know, like little moments, there's just little ways that that kind of stuff can get peppered in without having to be the whole thing. 
Sure. Well, um, speaking of you being on stage, uh, one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on the podcast is because at the end of June, I believe it was right after the Dobbs decision, right after the Supreme Court ruled and people were very scared, still are very scared and very angry. Um, you were at this abortion rights rally and you spoke and you also then sang at the end to close out this rally that was, you know, oh gosh, thousands of people were probably there. I didn't do a head count, of course, but it, it was a lot of people. And then you stepped on stage. And as I've seen you do in the community and other moments too, you really articulated something. And it was something I wanted to tap into, which is um, around the idea that rallies are great and marching in the streets is great. And there's a role for that. But not everyone always feels like that's the way that they should show up in their community. And I just wanted to hear you talk about that a little bit more, this idea that there are these kind of different roles, kind of archetypal roles that folks can think about when they think about how do I want to show up for my community? What can I do? What role can I play? So when I first learned about this was with a training with a Zen priest, Buddhist monk, Norma Wong, who I've learned so much from over the past six or seven years. And, you know, she made it clear when she described this, that she didn't invent this. So these concepts are out there. This just happens to be the way we packaged it. Okay. It was such a game changer for me to learn that because I realized I had one way of viewing like what it meant to be an activist. Mm -hmm. It was a very like an activist does blank. And for me, I think it's the same as a lot of people where an activist marches in the street. An activist, you know, will take on that conversation with somebody who says something they shouldn't have said. Or like, that's what an activist does. Argues on you know? Twitter. <laughs> yeah, you know, all the things. Yeah, like, yeah. shows up, speaks yeah. out, shuts stuff down if it needs to be shuts down. Like, that's what we need. Right. And so when, when Norma presented this idea that there are different ways to show up, it really, really hit me hard. It was, it was really an aha moment. So for example, the five roles in the way that we look at them are the farmer. The farmer is somebody new who knows how to cultivate, you know, what does the soil need in order to actually be fertile? When is there a need for rest? When is it time for harvest? That's the farmer. Sure. The gatherer or the fisher is the person who knows how to go out and get the things, how to find the resource, how to collect the people, how to bring the things in and know where the spot is to go to do the thing. The warrior is the one who shows up with the fierce fire energy. You know, they go out on the attack or they defend right. the home base. Um, the elders and the teachers are the ones who are carrying that long arc view mm -hmm. and they have the wisdom and they've seen this before and they have insights. And then finally, the strategist who has, you know, the strategic mindset of being able to kind of be aware of what different people are doing and how those might fit together and yep. they can strategize. So it's beautiful because all of those are equally important. And we've seen movements that don't have all of those parts equally nourished. And usually what ends up happening is there's just a bunch of warriors and there's just hyper-focus on everybody being a warrior. And nobody's sustaining, nobody's cultivating relationships, nobody is bridging networks, nobody, you know, that part isn't happening enough to sustain. So we just have a bunch of, you know, of the fiery anger being expressed, which is righteous and valid. Right. But it, it it's not a movement, you know, it's part of a movement. And so, you know, my point with all of this is that we've got two things we need to be thinking of. One, we need to be thinking about 
ourselves and how do we stay fully intact and authentic with ourselves? And part of that is figuring out what do I have to offer? What is the thing that I am good at? You know, and I might not be able to do that, but I can do this, you know, and recognizing that there is a need for us to do the, our own internal work to identify where do I shine just in my life, not just right. in this movement specifically, but like, you know what? I am good at throwing parties. You know, when I do that, people come. I know a lot of different people. And, well, that's a gatherer. Yep. You know, that that's a, that's a thing. Not everybody can do that. So part of it is our need to be introspective and figure out where am I and what is the thing that I can tap into so that I can do it sustainably. Right. Because once we're, when we're doing the thing that, that fits with our energy, fits with our skill set, we can keep doing it without getting burnt out. Yeah. Because we're in alignment with ourselves. The other prong of this is as a movement, recognizing the importance of all of these roles and recognizing that, you know, we have a tendency in activism worlds to create hierarchy and power structures, even though that's usually what we say we're fighting against. Mm. We usually are trying to dismantle these hierarchies and power systems in the larger community. And yet within our activism world, we create them. That's how entrenched it is though, right? Right. <laughs> right you yeah. know, we elevate the warriors and which usually means we are minimizing or not even noticing the importance of the people doing the other roles. And part of why that's important is because for one thing, it is not true. You know, mm. we, if we are not valuing these other roles and not putting energy into making sure those are happening, then our movement won't sustain. It'll burn out. But the other reason it's important is because, you know, when people don't feel like what they have to offer is going to be valued, then why are they going to show up? Right. Exactly. Why are they going to show up? You know? Yeah. If, if it seems like the only way they are going to be seen as important is if they're screaming and yelling on the street and that's not their thing, you know, and they don't see a place for themselves, then we lose people. Yeah. Wow. This is, this is just so powerful. And and I can imagine how uh, paradigm shifting it was for you when you heard it and when I'm hearing it right now. I mean, I think about myself and I'm not really sure what role I might be right now in this stage of my life. But like, for instance, I recall feeling more like a warrior when I was younger. Right. And that might be something a lot of people identify with when I was in my teens and early twenties, I wanted to be out in the streets but now probably not really so much for me, but there's, there's another role and it's just a matter of, of tapping into that and figuring it out. Uh, and for everyone to know that there are other, other ways to show up and ways that are more authentic to you and how valuable that is. That's really powerful. Yeah. And you know, we, what we don't want people to do is lock themselves into something, right? Because right. this is fluid and there are times in a movement where you need to get out of your comfort zone. Sometimes it's just all hands on deck. Like mm. we just need everyone showing up with their warrior energy. Right. Because we need a bunch of voices and bodies in a certain location to make a statement. Mm -hmm. And we need people to just be able to show up and do that. And then sometimes we need everyone to get on the phone and call such and such. Or here's an example from the Black Lives Matter movement. I feel like one of the things I never saw enough of was cultivating. I continually would be asking my white friends to be spending more energy cultivating mm. the relationships that it's like the harmful things that are happening are coming from your family, right. your neighbors, the people you have relationships with. We need you putting more energy into those relationships so that you can be having conversations and kind of starting to 
um, suss out where some of this is happening and creating relationships with people who know you Mm. and might listen to you, but you got to do the work to kind of build that relationship. And people didn't want to do that. You know, those are awkward conversations with neighbors and friends and relatives. And so I would repeatedly just not see that being done. And so look what's happened in our country. Like Hmm. all of those people who had all these feelings and thoughts have found each other and they've created this whole network that has risen up so strong and in a very scary way with a lot of power. Right. And I feel like some of that could have been headed off if people would have spent less time focusing outward and marching in the streets about it and more time looking inward and talking to their friends and neighbors and colleagues to build relationships with people who were having views that they didn't even realize they had. I guess I I wonder too, like in Boise, being an activist in Boise, being an activist in Idaho, there's, there's just, it's a long hill and I don't need to tell you that, but I think it's just a, people are are scared of losing their rights. They're feeling um, unsafe. They're feeling unwelcome. And those are all, you know, negative feelings. Can you turn those negative feelings into positive movement or do you kind of have to deal with the negative feelings and set them aside or deal with them in some way and then uh, find a way to be productive as an activist in the community? How do you do that? Well, I think it's both and, and that's part of the internal work. You know, we keep coming back to this idea about you got to do the work, you know, because it's not the same answer for everybody. And so that's, that's part of what, you know, it's like if you enter a relationship, part of being in that relationship means you're going to have internal things that confront you and you're going to have to figure out how to navigate them if you want to be able to continue to show up and be engaged with this other person that you've brought into your life. You know, it's the same thing with the movement, right? Like things are going to come up that are going to zap your energy or discourage you or whatever. And you have to be willing to do the internal work to figure out how do I navigate this so that I can stay engaged, Mm. you know, and it's not one size fits all, but it's more a commitment because the idea is, you know, rest is essential, but rest is different than stopping. Mm. Say more. What is most meaningful to me about that right now is the intention around it. When your intention is to kind of pull away from a thing with the purpose of regenerating your energy, maybe you have a wound that you need to heal. Maybe you have a perspective that you need to shift. There's some reason why you've decided I need to pull back for a little bit. And then as long as you are doing that, you know, if, if you realize like I need an attitude adjustment, right? Okay. That's fine. So, but the resting would involve getting that attitude adjustment, right. you know, figuring out what does that mean for me? And maybe for you, it just means I need to go do something extremely joyful for a while and just focus on an art project or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, Nature, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, whatever yeah. it is mm-hmm. for you. And that's yeah. why it's not one size fits all, you know, because maybe what it is is an attitude adjustment. Maybe what it is is healing a wound. Maybe what it is is just a depletion of energy. Like the reasons why somebody might need a timeout are going to vary. And so what they should be doing during that timeout is just going to be depending on why did they need the timeout in the first place. Mm -hmm. But the idea of resting means the plan is you re-engage, right? Once you've replenished, once you've healed, once you've shifted your perspective, once you've done whatever the thing is so that you feel intact again, that you are once again feeling your kind of best version of yourself, you're back in the game. Yep. You know, stopping means you got overloaded or you got burned out or you got whatever and you just, you're out. Right. Yeah. So I don't know if that makes sense, but that's part of the self-care, right? Like it's okay to not go full octane all the time, but having a rest period is different than just disengaging. Right, right. um, The other thing I would say 
about self-care would be this idea about flowing around boulders. Mm. And um, the concept about that is identifying not everything's a boulder, you know, just because there's a difference of opinion or it doesn't mean something's a boulder. Just because you disagree with somebody doesn't mean they are a barrier to you. Um, but if you do identify certain things as being a boulder, being a barrier, the idea is, you know, how often can you flow around them hmm. instead of just bashing up against him, bashing up against him, bashing up against him? Because if you think about the flow of water and the impact that'll have on a boulder, you know, that's going to wear a boulder down anyway. Yeah. You know, it's just that constant flow of water. But for yourself energetically and, and, and flowing around something doesn't mean you're just leaving in the past. You know, you can still be in relationship with that, with that person or that thing, but just recognize like, if I stop to try to deal with you, I am not moving forward anymore with what my purpose and intention is. And my purpose and intention needs to be in the forefront Mm -hmm. so that I can tell like, maybe my interaction with you, it serves my purpose and intention. And so this is a good use of time. But if this is actually stopping me and this is like, taking over my time and attention. So I'm not actually serving the purpose that I was trying to serve. Right. That's when you're now bashing against a boulder instead of just flowing around Mm, it. Wow. Gosh, not to totally uh, just take this metaphor and that imagery that's so beautiful to the extreme, but you know, in Idaho, there's boulders and there's also literal dams, right? There's, there's uh, both figurative and literal ones. And you know, oftentimes I think we hear this on a fairly regular basis of folks who, you know, are so frustrated and just feel like it's too much and they're exhausted, they're burned out, and maybe they need to leave. Maybe they need to go to a different state that is more aligned with their values. But there is this, then this tension of like, stay and fight, be with us while we're still in this community doing this work. Do you struggle with that yourself personally? But also if someone is struggling with that question for themselves, what would you say to help help them think about that or approach that? Yeah, it's a beautiful question. I do think about it. And I've thought about that for a long time just because of my blackness. Right. I have often felt that there were a number of things that would be different for me if I moved to a place where there was more black people. Hmm. So the conversation of should I stay or should I go? <laughs> like, <laughs> girl, that's, that's, all, that's been all my mind for a long time. Um, it's a personal decision that folks need to not feel pressured into. Mm. You know, it's important that people are giving themselves enough stillness and space so that the decision that they do make isn't a reaction Hmm. to anything. We don't want it to be a reaction to a frustration over policies that are being made or a reaction to, you know, this, this feeling of helplessness that nothing's ever going to change here, right? Because then it's just a reaction, right? as opposed to being a decision that's made with, you know, your whole intact self, not just your reactionary part that's been hurt or pissed off or whatever, you know, but it's your whole self that's looking at like, what is the good I feel like I can do here? What is the part of me that is being stifled here? What is it that I feel like I would be doing differently mm. if I was somewhere else? Mm-hmm. Yep. Sometimes people can just be leaving a thing without kind of a clear idea of what is going to be different for you there. And sometimes it's just not going to be here. That's right. what I know. It's just not going to be here. Right. And it's like, well, you know, um, sometimes that backfires too. And people go to a new place and they end up realizing there's a whole host of issues there now. Sure. So I, I feel like people just need to be thoughtful. I don't begrudge anybody who leaves. 
But when I see people leave with this real bitter kind of vitriol about the community, Mm. I think in the larger scope of the movement, that's not super helpful. And it doesn't mean everybody needs to stay here forever and endure, you know, but you can decide to disengage from something and still kind of wish it well. Right. Rather than just like, I'm out. Y'all are on your own. Boise sucks. Right. Bye. Yeah. Turn your back on it. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Because, because again, when we're looking at a movement, we have to, you know, it's a collective. The movement isn't one person. A movement is a collective. And when we're thinking about how is what I am doing impacting the collective, Mm. then we can look at that. Like if I've decided I need to disengage from this space, how I leave the space is going to impact the morale of everybody who's still there. Of course. Yes. You know, and so am I feeding the morale mm-hmm. and, and having adding positivity or am I leaving in a way that kind of is dousing the fire? Um, and that's what I feel like I see a lot is people trying to like punish the community for not being what they wanted it to be. But for those of us who are still here fighting, how does that feel to us? Mm-hmm. <sighs> mm. You know, so that's just something for people to consider. Where do you turn when you need to be reminded to stay hopeful, to keep going, to keep this work alive for yourself? It seems so innate in you, but do you have moments where you need to kind of reinvigorate yourself? Constantly, definitely, definitely, definitely. This year has been a, a shift for me because I, because of the housing market, I was forced to move out to Nampa. Hmm. And so um, the two of the things that were part of my daily ritual were, were walking by the river and walking in the foothills. Okay. Yeah. And, and those were my church and those uh, very much healed and soothed me. And that's not as accessible to me now because I'm spending so much time commuting and those things were very accessible before. So I am actually have been grappling and struggling with that myself of figuring out how do I create new things? Because the things that I had that kept me grounded kept me sane, allowed me to continue to have a broad perspective Hmm, right? and get outside the narrowness of whatever situation I was in. And so trying to tap into what else helps me do that since I can't be there on the daily basis like I used to be. Um, I have furry overlords. (laughs) I I have a dog and I also, a cat came with my house, a stray cat. It came with a house. And so now I have a cat. You know, and we can exist with our furry companions in a way where we don't tap into their energy, mm. where we're just kind of existing in the same house. Yes. Or we can choose to tap into that relationship and the beauty of having, you know, this little furry thing that's that loves you and is dependent on you and is joyful and is playing with the rug and, yes. you know, like yes. those moments. And it and to me, the replenishing of the soul isn't grand things. It's not a trip to Cabo. It's in everyday life, do we allow ourselves to be open mm. to those little moments of joy, those little moments of discovery and wonder, or are we just plowing through our day? And that to me is where the replenishing is happening more and more for me now, um, is that I'm just really leaning into just those little moments. Mm. It keeps your heart open, yes. you know, so it's our job to, to remember to find ways to continue to be open. And luckily for me, I have students I teach, you know, so every single day I get to have these interactions with students. And for me, there's incredible hope and optimism in that. And so that continually regenerates me. Mm, that's beautiful. Thank you so much, Lita, for 
sharing your energy, sharing your wisdom, your time. Uh, this has been amazing. And I feel like I have so much to think through and listen and listen back to this conversation, to be honest. And I hope our listeners will feel the same. I'm sure they will. So thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you. Okay, that's all for today here on CityCast Boise. Be sure to subscribe to our morning newsletter for the latest on the many lawsuits at play to stop Idaho's abortion bans from taking effect later this month. Go to boise.citycast.fm to get the scoop. We'll be back in this feed on Thursday morning. See you then.